Ladies and gents, what is happening guys? Back with another one of these. Um, I didn't get one done last week. I can only apologize about that. We'll talk about that in a little bit of a second. But over the last sort of week or so, I have been having what we call a deload week from my training, um, which kind of integrates nicely into today's, today's topic. But essentially last week, just being honest, it was fucked, like proper fucked. Um, everything was proven to be an effort. Um, fatigue was so high and out with the usual check-ins and getting back to people, like my motivation to do anything above and beyond like this was just so low. Uh, I'd rather be honest and say it how it is versus make up an excuse like I was busy, like I was fucked. <laughs> um, but again, that brings me nicely into today's topic, um, which is when it comes to calories and training in general, knowing when to push and knowing when to pull back. Um, my recovery is in a much better place now. So with that deload, I took five days off training completely. I did zero cardio um, and I just did steps as usual as they fell. I didn't make an effort to do them. It was just from daily movement to my work. Um, I had my last shift at Pure Gym last week. Spin has been out now where I was doing three times a week. So it was just an accumulation of um, post-diet went in, trained hard, we did not take our foot off the brakes, had a couple of days off and then went straight back into it and I've been doing three spins a week on top of five training sessions, going all in for the last three or four weeks now um, and it just built up and it got to the point where I needed to take a step back because of the markers in place. So that leads me into today's topic and we're going to focus on training first of all. So obviously we have a program that we'll do for a set amount of time. And it's knowing that doing this program week in, week out, trying to better it through progressive overload, which we spoke about before, trying to beat the weight, trying to beat the reps, trying to beat the quality, um, is how we drive progress. Repetition is progress. Again, think of it as learning to drive. You're trying to acquire skills and get more efficient and effective at them to produce a greater end result. Um, and in terms of how to know when to pull back, it's not something you can necessarily plan into your your training, your sort of blocks, so to speak. Um, it's something I very much auto-regulate with clients. Uh, it depends on how hard you train. It depends on your intensity levels. Like if you don't train that hard, you're probably not very often going to need a deload. But if you train really, really hard, they'll be a little bit more apparent and frequent. And with the need to deload comes a number of factors that you can look out for that if you don't know you need to deload, it can actually get in your head a little bit. Um, and that would be things like motivation being low. So when you can't be bothered, I could not be bothered. I couldn't be bothered to train. I couldn't be bothered to do anything. That can be a sign. Um, appetite was low. You can have things like constant niggles. Your movements in itself, they may be either stalling. You're not seeing a performance increase or they're almost regressing. So you're going in and you're, you're going backwards, so to speak, you couple that with things like poor sleep, poor libido, and all these things can be a basic picture of you need some time off, you need to scale back. Because if we think of it like this, we cannot push our bodies in sixth gear 100 miles an hour all the time. You're on a car journey, you can only go so fast for so long before you need to restop and refuel up. And it's the same principle. Uh, we will hit a low and burn out at some point or another. So for myself, for me, it was it was mainly low motivation and it was low appetite. Um, 
with the odd niggle here and there. My my sleep and my progression and everything else was actually fine. Um, but literally fatigue was so high. Um, like I'd wake up in the morning and I'd feel like I'd been hit by a train. Like literally could barely bring myself to get out of bed. Um, and that's not like me. Like the sleep quality was good, but the fatigue was so high. I actually couldn't be bored to train. Um, I, I exclusively do not nap during the day. Like I don't ever nap, but I found myself in the space of like two weeks. I think I went for four or five naps and I was like, nah, something's not right here. Um, but again, that can bring it to the point of when you're looking to know if you can push on with training or pull back, is it a recovery issue or is it a fatigue issue? It's when we're fatigued that we need to pull back and have a deload versus if we just need to make our recovery more efficient, that can make all the difference. When it comes to recovery, you need to look at how your quality of sleep is, your duration of sleep, your length of sleep, how much you're actually doing across the week and the day. Maybe you're doing too much and you just need to decrease your volume a little bit. Like if you're doing six sets six sessions a week um 30 sets a day you're doing cardio five times a week you scale that back that might make all the difference um that's far too much um you want to make your volume a little bit more conservative you need to sort of find that minimum effective dose again which we spoke about before um and you need to find a volume that you can recover from because if you can't recover that will result in all of the above, but it's not a deal we need. We're just running our risk of injury because if we decide to push on when we need to pull back, our ability to make progress will diminish. We're going to see low return for our training or regression, as I've already pointed out. And with that comes an increased likelihood of injury. So think of it like this. You might hate the thought of taking time off the gym, but would you rather take a few days off voluntarily or would you be forced? Or would you rather be forced to take a couple of weeks even months, worst case scenario, off because you didn't listen to your body. Um, so knowing those things to look out for can be really handy. And there's a few different ways you can approach a deload. Um, you can have a decrease in volume. So you could decrease your number of sets. You could decrease your work and weight and kind of just stimulate the movement, um, sort of 50, 60% of your usual work and load and volume. And to me, that is boring as hell. Um, it's very hard to sort of hold back in that sort of scenario. Um, if you're more sort of programming is geared towards percentage-based training, then it might be a little bit easier when you're used to that. But as someone who likes to sort of go in, go hard and go for it, it's very difficult to strip it back like that. So what we could do instead is literally just take five to seven days off. Um, I don't feel that three or four is enough. I feel like five is the minimum amount required. And I have seen it at times where six or seven can do the trick, but five generally works as a sweet spot. So if you're experiencing any of those um, sort of factors that I've mentioned and you feel like your recovery is in a good place, you're not doing too much, then perhaps it could be thinking, right, now's the time to deload. Uh, that was seven weeks of training since my last deload, which was actually relatively soon compared to previous times. But again, we've got to consider I was already in a state of fatigue because I just finished a diet. Normal rule of thumb is you could go anywhere from eight to 12, 14, 16 weeks before you need one. Uh, again, the harder you train, the more frequent you'll need it. The less hard you train, the less likely you'll even need it. Um, but again, time off to recharge the batteries every now and again will not do you any harm and can sometimes spark up some new motivation. Um, and that's just sort of knowing when to pull back. As I say, pushing on generally, if you're 
even if you sort of reach that set point and your progression is still there, your appetite and sleep's in a good place, you're still motivated to train, you're injury niggle-free, then I see no reason why you can't push on. When it comes to pushing on or pulling back on your training, the biggest thing you can do is listen to your body and how you're feeling. Um, so now I want to move on to calories, knowing when to push on and pull back. And I want to talk about this from a building or gaining phase perspective. I've spoke about it from a dieting perspective before and today I want to sort of talk about it from gaining weight because obviously to gain weight as you gain it your energy requirements change and you are going to have to not consistently but you're going to have to up your calories now and again to match your new energy demands and you're going to reach a set point where too much is too much and it's knowing when that part is and when you need to come back or knowing when you can push on. So there's a few different factors that we can look at and it's quite similar to losing fat. It's just the opposite direction. You're going to want to pay attention to your body composition. You're going to want to pay attention to clothes fitting. They're going to get tighter, but are they getting tighter around the right areas? You're going to want to pay attention to your measurements. You're going to want to pay attention to your scale weight. Um, and those are the sort of physical, visual factors we'd be looking at because there will come a time where even if everything else is in a good place, if those are providing negative feedback, if you're perhaps accumulating too much fat around stomach, hips, waist, um, versus filling out across the upper shelf or the legs, then that might be a sign that body fat's getting too high. Because to gain weight, you need to be in a caloric surplus where you're consuming more than you expend. And at some point, you're going to reach body fat levels that are just too high to be productive or conducive to the end goal. Um, fat gain is inevitable, but if you're careful in how you structure it and you keep the food quality high, you can minimize um, any backlash. And as long as you monitor it carefully, there is this conception that calories going up is going to equate to fat and you're just going to lose your look and people are going to think badly of you and that you've you fucked it. That generally comes from a, a sort of belief system like insecurity and that perhaps you're attached to the version that you used to be and you feel like going up is going to go back to that but it's always remembering that you are not the person you attach yourself to previously you're new and improved you've you're putting in work the person you used to be from an insecurity standpoint you'll never be that person again and it's just attaching from the fact that if you gain if you gain a little bit of fat you're gonna look disastrous because it's not true as long as you keep food quality good and you you measure and manage the sort of variables you're gonna be fine um and it's just remember that if you want to build muscle you need to go into a surplus and you need to spend time there having a surplus for a couple of weeks and then getting worried and then getting in your head and then pulling back and doing the same again the return will be very little compared to spending time in the hole same principle in fat loss you need to spend time in a hole in muscle gain you need to spend time in a hole in the hole is the deficit or the surplus you need to embrace being uncomfortable because change does not occur in comfort you need to do things differently to what you're used to because doing what you're used to will result in you staying the same so We've talked about the sort of visuals to monitor, but we've also got to consider other things like training performance, appetite, digestion. We might, in some individual cases, even monitor blood glucose levels. That's not something I'm going to go into too much today because the chances are there will be very few people listening to this podcast that needs to measure their blood glucose levels, but I will give you a brief overview just in case. So... 
you're going to want to check, same as fat loss, you're going to want to be keeping an eye on things on a daily, weekly basis. You're going to want to be making sure that your training performance is going well. You're going to want to be making sure that your appetite is good, that your digestion is a good place and that your blood glucose levels are lower. Then as you inevitably put on weight and you gain um, you gain some fat to go along with it, you might see there comes a time where your appetite goes down, your digestion is poor, and your blood glucose levels go up, which means your insulin sensitivity levels are high, or low, sorry. And with that, it generally is your biomarkers telling you that you've gained too much fat. When it gets to a place where composition is not necessarily compromised, but not the best, appetite is low, digestion is not overly great, training performance is suffering, then you you know you could be have reached your sort of maximum that you can handle in terms of pushing up. Now, with that sort of begs a few questions. So, how long can you push up for? And that comes down to how much you can adhere to the plan. It comes down to how much you can handle and how lean did you start. The leaner you start, the longer you can push for, which is why a lot of the times people will come to me, they want to build muscle, and I'm like, sorry, we've got fat to drop first. And it can sound a little bit brutal, but I'm playing a long game. And it is not my job as a coach to tell people what they want to hear. It is to act in a way that suits their best interests. Getting leaner in order to push for longer will always serve better in the long run. So you could argue again, it's going to be similar time frames to a deload, um, maybe a little bit longer actually. The chances are, unless you cannot stick to the diet and you're fucking it and you're constantly going off plan, you're going to be able to push up for longer than eight weeks. It could be 12, 16, 20 weeks of pushing up. Again, individual dependent. 20 weeks, you wouldn't want to go for much longer than that. If after 20 weeks, your appetite and composition still in an okay place, then you've not been um, progressive enough with the surplus. And that's something to look out for as well. So generally speaking, you'd be looking at the sort of 12 to 20 week mark. And at that point, if you've done it correctly, um, you will begin to see diminishing returns from composition, from progression and appetite. And at that point, you can look to have a mini cut. But before we go into that, I actually want to talk about how you would structure your expenditure and your macronutrients through your gaining phase. So expenditure burns calories. The idea of the deficit of the surplus is to consume more than you burn. So if you were doing 20,000 steps a day, three hours of cardio a week, you're going to be burning a fuck ton of calories. And food's either going to be very high or you're going to have to spring that low down. And in that case, I wouldn't want anybody that high. So what you'd want to do straight away is reduce your expenditure, especially off the back of a fat loss phase, if that's how you've entered it, which in all likelihood you have. You're going to want to reduce your steps to a sort of minimum effective dose and you're going to want to gradually taper down your cardio. I am actually a big fan of leaving some form of cardio in um, throughout the year round, it improves your digestion, it keeps your heart health a little bit better and your fitness levels are better. When that's the case, you can perform your higher rep sets better, whereas if you're not keeping any cardio in, you're going to gas out on your higher rep sets and you're failing from your heart, not your muscles, your lungs, sorry. So I believe in keeping a little bit of expenditure in, but I wouldn't really be overly keen to have any more than 45 to 60 minutes in there per week. I feel like 60 is even a little bit too high it depends on the individual what they enjoy um and in terms of steps like 
if you just hit 15,000 a day because you hit 15,000 a day just from living your life, then we're not really going to go out of our way to change that. But if you could get it down because you're going out of your way, then coming down a little bit lower towards a 12, 10, maybe as low as eight in some cases could be really beneficial. For example, I've got a client who I will not name, uh, even though I'm sure he'd be okay with it, who we had a food plan in place and he was not gaining any weight. And it's because we established that without meaning to, his job demands were requiring him to hit 30, 40, even as high as 50,000 steps a day. So he recently stopped that job. We didn't change anything other than his step count came dramatically down and he's four kilograms up in a little over two or three months. So it kind of just goes to show how much expenditure can have an impact on that. But looking at the sort of protein, fats and carbs, how to structure that, understanding that protein will help keep you full is essential. And despite it being the growth and repair, you need it to build muscle. You don't want to have it so high to the point where it diminishes your ability to actually get food in. So you want to have it again at a minimum effective volume that you can grow from. Whereas you might be more inclined to have protein higher in a fat loss phase for satiety and muscle retention, you want to have it as low as you possibly can on the way up and put more towards carbohydrates. Fats, again, it just depends on the person. I would be, I would tend to keep fats relatively low um they are obviously double the amount of calories compared to carbs and proteins but it can leave you feeling a little bit sluggish and lethargic depending on the person so i generally like to have a a little over half um so a gram per over half a gram of body weight so i generally work in pounds so i would put about 0.3 to 0.4 grams of fat per pound of body fat Um, and you can leave it there. But as you add on things like carbohydrates, the trace calories are going to go up anyway. But your main sort of increases in calories are going to come from carbohydrates. They will help with recovery. They will help with performance. They can be used and utilized as energy within your workout performance. And as you get deeper into the sort of muscle building phase, you might want to consider, if you're not already doing it, having higher calories on a workout day than a non-workout day. The reason being you require a lot more energy on a training day. So the general increases in calories would come from carbohydrates. Um, Slow and steady would win the race in that case. I wouldn't be putting in... Initially, if you come off the back of a fat loss phase, you're going to have a bigger jump up. That's undeniable. But then as you continue to build up, you wouldn't really be looking at any more than... I would generally say a range of 25 to 40 grams of carbs per increase, depending on the individual, depending on the goal, depending on the context. Um, That would give you an increase of 100 to 160 calories per day. And that's slow and steady enough that it's gradual, that you're not going to get too fat too quick. And as long as the food quality is in a good place, you can hold on to similar composition throughout. Um, And that's a really nice place to go. So calorie increase will generally come from carbs. You wouldn't overly change fats or proteins you might gradually bring protein a little bit lower off the back end of the fat loss phase but i'm a fan of keeping the fats relatively in the same place having them a little bit higher on a non-training day because fats are a slower releasing source of energy um, and they can be utilized a bit more effectively when you don't need them for immediate workout performance fats of course are an essential macronutrient we cannot survive without protein or fat but we don't necessarily need carbs Um, if you think back hundreds thousands of years ago we didn't have carbohydrates as a sort of energy source we didn't have the foods we have available now um sort of hunters they utilize meat 
and with some meat comes fat and you'd have your fruits and stuff, but there wouldn't be any sort of carbohydrates to the same degree that you see now. Um, so obviously carbs are life. We prefer to have carbs in our system, but they're not essential. So we can run them a little bit lower and utilize fat for energy on a non-training day. So basically we spoke about the sort of things to look out for in terms of being able to continue to push on. So if you find, for example, that your composition continues to remain well or you're not gaining any scale weight, you're going to know that you're going to want to push on with your calories, having that increase that I spoke about. Um, I generally am not a fan of increasing calories any more than, unless initially, any more than once every two weeks. So you have the initial increase, you let the body adjust and settle and you can go again. Um, You can continue to decrease expenditure, but once it's at a set point that you can't go any lower, you'd be looking for your changes to come from increases in calories. And as long as appetite's firing, performance is increasing, scale weight, body composition stays in a good place, you know you can continue to increase on a sort of bi-weekly basis, maybe a little bit longer. Sometimes you'll find you hit your mark and you can continue to improve your your weight and it's continuing to build. Um, Generally looking for a kilogram to a kilogram and a half of gain per month. So anywhere from 0.2 to 0.4 kilogram increase per week across the week. And if that builds, appetites in a good place then we can leave it there but say you're really hungry and you're gaining a small amount you could potentially have an increase but you could also look at the volume of the food you're using but when you're hungry and you're in a building phase i would say enjoy it because at some point that's going to go and eating is going to be a bit of an effort (laughs) and that's not a nice place to be in so just monitoring those things if performance stalls composition is in a good place and weight's slowly steady and you could also utilize a food increase to utilize a performance increase Increased energy comes increased ability to recover, increased ability to perform. So that's another thing to look at there. But then as you get closer to that sort of tipping point where composition's not as great, appetite's down, you then want to perhaps go into a mini cup. The difference, or recomp phase, whatever you want to call it, the difference between a long-term fat loss phase where you've got a bigger goal versus a, a recomp phase is that you can get in, go hard and get out because you're only looking to sort of bring body fat levels down to a better place, bring appetite back in place, and perhaps increase your insulin sensitivity for those that would measure blood glucose levels. So you could quickly revamp and get in and get out. You might worry that um, you're, you're, you'd maybe re- lose some muscle mass, but in such a short period of time, as long as you focus on performance, you're not going to. So you could have a rapid increase in calories, It's context dependent, Um, it depends on the person, but you could get them as low as you could handle. So say for example, me, I'm on somewhere between 3.6 and 3.8 calories, that's 36 to 3,800 calories a day um, with minimum expenditure, hitting steps as I I want. There's absolutely no reason why I couldn't drop 1,000 calories a day, add in 90 minutes of cardio a week and up my step count and just drop body fat as quickly as I can, get in, get the job done and get out because all we're trying to do is recomp so we can keep pushing up. Whereas in a fat loss phase for an initial goal, you're going to want to do things slower because you're going to have to get leaner and you're going to want to milk the most out of the least. Whereas you're just looking to sort of reset and go again in a recomp phase. Um, And that's the difference. Recomp, get in, go hard, get out, get the job done. Fat loss phase, you want to make it gradual, get the most from the least so that you don't use all your tools as you go along. So you don't stall when you've still got further to go. So hopefully that gives you a sort of nice insight um, training, you know what to look out for when to deload versus if it's a recovery issue. Um, you know what to look out for now for muscle gain, 
gaining phase um, factors when you can push up, factors when you can pull back. If you need to mini cut, mini cut, and then repeat, push, pull, push, pull until you're ready to have a sort of more, not extreme goal, but a more a lean goal that you want to sort of be careful on how you do that there. Um, you'd obviously monitor timeline and stuff in that scenario as well. But hopefully that gives you a little bit of th- um, sort of insight as to what to look out for, what to know, when to know how to push on versus to know when to pull back and any feedback as always would be great um if you enjoyed it a share in the stories and the socials always goes a long way um it can help sort of build the audience to help more people which is what i'm all about and yes i hope that your week is going well so far i hope that you're enjoying what has been a steady run of good weather lately and i will definitely catch you again next week we will not be missing another week all right guys take care cheers